Hello and welcome back to Inside Update, brought to you by Inside Investigator, nonprofit journalism to root out corruption in Connecticut. Exciting stuff to announce. First, this show is going to be available on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon starting in January 2024 through CT Politics TV. So you're still going to be able to watch this wherever you're watching or listening right now uh, via podcast or YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. But we're also excited to be reaching a wider audience and keeping them informed through, uh, I guess, what we'd call traditional media channels, right? Folks actually turning (laughs) on their TV and uh, being able to plug into this program. You'll also notice today is just Mark and I. So we have a smaller team taking a look at two specific articles. First, uh, we're going to talk about the continuing paper road dispute in Canton. And we're going to talk about the DCF commissioner stepping down in the new year. Uh, We'll do some housekeeping stuff at the end, but let's dig right in. The paper road thing, this conversation has continued, Mark. Uh, I was at the meeting last night, but do you want to bring us up to speed, I guess, and then we can chat about what happened last night as well? Sure, sure. So this this story came to us from a tip. And, you know, I, I swear our best stories come to us from tips from the public and, you know, people reaching out saying, hey, can you can you look at this? And um, it's it that that story. I mean, I kind of thought there'd be some interest in it, but not to the extent that there was. Uh, that's the original story really blew up. And uh, it's this very it's so there's a landowner in Canton, Connecticut. He's a guy named uh, Lansford Perry. He owns a lot of businesses and he owns a lot of property. He's actually one of the top 10 largest property taxpayers in the town of Canton. He also sits on the planning and zoning commission there as a commissioner. And he bought a piece of property called 160 Bear Road. It's about 66 wooded acres. And he wants to utilize a paper road, which is a road that only exists on paper, uh, essentially town property, to build a driveway into that forested area and off off a road called Shallot Meadow Road. The neighbors of Shallot Meadow Road are not too pleased with this idea. There's a lot of questions being raised as to, you know, why he needs to build the driveway there when he already has two other driveway access points uh, to the property uh, from other roads. And they're also concerned about what he's going to do with the property when he gets there. Um, he's only applied to build the driveway, nothing else. So there's really nothing more than the, nothing more the town can consider other than the driveway proposal. What kind of really uh, made it more interesting is um, a former state senator, Kevin Wickos, who was recently elected first selectman of Canton. And his house sits kind of sandwiched between that big 66 acres of property that Lands Perry owns and another big piece of property that Lands Perry owns. And he has a shared driveway uh, with Lands Perry. So uh, there were a lot of concerns about conflicts of interest. Uh, Wickos has recused himself from discussing the matter at all, you know, which, you know, is the right thing to do. And he has he's been. Uh, very good about that. Um, but the neighbors are upset. And I have to say, uh, Mr. Perry's response to the neighbors has probably not done him any favors. Um, 
he's uh, there's some personal disputes at, at play here between him and uh, the guy who lives right where the paper road is. And, you know, accusations that of, you know, threatening and harassment and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, in his last email to the Board of Selectmen, Perry basically accused the um, the neighbors of, you know, being against farming and poor people, I believe it was. Uh, he insinuated the thing is, nobody really knows what he's going to do with the property, and he hasn't given any kind of clear signal. He said it's going to be used for agriculture and then forestry and then possibly houses for his family members. And then in the last email, he said, hey, it could be affordable housing. We could put up to 200 units up there. And you guys don't like this because you're against poor people. Um, I don't feel I, I doubt that was received well. And, you know, that kind of... Uh, language coming from a public official on the zoning commission yeah you know and i don't know if it's a kind of tactic to like shame a little bit for um people being against this thing so I that's wanna... that's kind of where it is now and i know that you were at the public hearing last yeah. night so i'd love to see what you heard well <laughs> well I, I honestly i wanted to start with a compliment to the the board of selectmen i mean I, you know as i was headed in there i was kind of like oh man am i about to see a you know a blow up and 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 people really uh kind of getting out of hand um and they they handled it really well to the point that as i was sitting in the hallway after the meeting kind of sending putting together some notes and uh, saying, uh, trying to get get uh, the recording uh, put away for our reporting team, someone walked out and I just overheard them saying, wow, that was one of the most efficient meetings I've ever been to in this town. Uh, so that was <laughs> nice to hear. Um, and to your point, yeah, yeah, uh, Whit Mr. Whitcoast left um, yeah. at the beginning of this and he left the room. He left the building as far as I can tell, and he didn't come back. So uh, not only did he recuse himself, he removed himself entirely um, and and Stephen Cedor, I, I, I believe his mm -hmm. name is the vice chair, really did a great job um, just talking this through. It's one of the things I think you like to see when when there are uh, high emotions in a room is someone who's able to bring the temperature down, set clear guardrails. And the conversation proceeded really clearly from there. Yeah, I you know, I, I think uh, I think the board of selectmen is, you know, behaved very admirably with all of this. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have to do a public hearing for this. Um, they chose to, uh, just so that, you know, those residents would feel like they were being heard. And, you know, this gets into a kind of a interesting area of property rights and zoning and, you know, who can build what, where and town, you know, uh, town owned property and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting and, you know, following the public hearing, they're going to have to decide whether or not to approve this uh, this driveway. So I have this for you. So this was a the vote was taken last night. Oh, really? Uh, this okay. is wrapped up. So, uh, you know, we're going to have this written up. It'll be on the website uh, insideinvestigator.org before uh, this is this is released uh, inside update is released to the public. So if you are watching or listening to this right now. Go to insideinvestigator.org to read the details. Um, but I, I, I do want to, I guess, kind of walk through here. Um, and the, in the end, I'll cut to the chase. There was a motion to deny this that passed three to one. 
So uh, the really was not granted. And I thought that it was really interesting uh, and, and well thought out. Obviously, the public comment part, um, first of all, no one from there were, I believe, 14 or 18 people online. I couldn't tell if it was technical difficulties or something else, but no one online provided their thoughts. Hmm. Um, and there were a few people who did uh, in 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 town, in person. Uh, some of them were were in support of uh, this being done. Some were against uh, neighbors, uh, old friends. You know, it's a it's a small town. Uh, there was a lot of camaraderie and familiarity there, even despite the fact that, uh, you know, it was obviously a contentious issue. What this hinged on, though, at the end of it was that uh, uh the board seemed to agree that this kind of step should be done sparingly. They define themselves as stewards of public property and that it should really only be done in unusual circumstances. And that was shared uh, by three of the four board members present. Um, and there was also uh, some discussion about a lack of clarity in the historical record about this space particularly, because part of the argument was that there had been permission granted or that it was grandfathered into the previous owner that this easement, this paper road, this access across public property should have been granted. And that was really what the what the argument in favor of it um, came down to, at least from the public discussion standpoint. But they said uh, when the board members got into their discussion, they said, listen, first of all, we think this has already gotten more attention than it should have, <laughs> but that the public road or the paper road it was designed for a public benefit, but in this case, it seems like it was actually going to do a lot of harm to the public who would be affected. And this one individual had these other two driveways uh, and access points that he could be using. Let's let sleeping dogs lie and let's put this thing to bed right now. So by 8.03 p.m., this conversation was was over. The motion to deny passed three to one. And they kind of just put a bow on it. Uh, they they had more business after, and the vast majority of the room stood up, quietly filed out, and let the meeting continue. Well, I'm glad it wrapped up by eight because I was worried for you. I was like, you know, <laughs> this this thing's going to go on forever, and you're going to be yeah. stuck driving home at like midnight or something like that. So, oh, okay. Well, I this is this is news to me. So I'm I'm getting it. You know, I'm getting my news from Inside Investigator as well. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, one thing I want to point out is like when they mentioned like this has gotten more attention than, you know, but uh, nobody else was paying attention to it. And obviously, you know, we can't watch 169 towns in Connecticut. So when somebody reaches out with a story that's, you know, interesting and brings up a lot of issues, you know, we can we can move on that and, you know, bring attention to it because you know a lot of the comments that we saw online were from people in canton who had no idea this was going on and that's that's part of the loss of you know local newspapers and things like that um so you know just to any new viewers if you if something's going on that you know you think deserves some attention please reach out to us yeah I, i'll say two things one specifically canton town communication was brought up uh, in an unrelated uh, agenda item earlier in the meeting saying that, you know, the town has suffered specifically, it was brought up that the town does not have a newspaper of record. Uh, you know, they're posting their stuff in the current and other statewide newspapers uh, to meet, but, you know, the public uh, awareness requirements for, for posting notices, et cetera. Um, 
but the other part of that is we like to be invited in. I don't think that as a as a business we want to be uh, you know stepping in saying oh we're going to report on something because that's not necessarily the best role that we could fulfill is just coming in and and making a hullabaloo as you know about something that people are like come on man this is a this is a private issue or a local issue we don't really need support or we don't need awareness it was really nice to hear and, and multiple people who I spoke to talked about this is we're getting information that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And, you know, I think that's part of the proper role of journalism. Um, but you're right. A lot of these small towns, Connecticut's lost around 50% of its newspapers since 2004. Um, if we can be invited into a community and provide a vital public service, it's one of the reasons we exist as a nonprofit newspaper. And, and I'm really happy to be doing that. Yeah, there were there were a lot of elements that I think made this story unique. I mean, it's not something that, you know, typically it's like, oh, there's somebody's trying to build a build a driveway. We're not going to just cover any old driveway. <laughs> but there were a lot of unique aspects to this involving, you know, it's in some level I felt bad for uh first selectman Whitcoast. It's like you just get elected and now <laughs> now you're kind of stuck in the middle yeah. of this thing. Yeah. Um and you know, obviously a you know large landowner who sits on the planning and zoning commission clearly has, you know, knows people. So there were, there were a lot of interesting aspects to this. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring up one more thing that I thought was interesting um, before we move on to the DCF commissioner and, and then we'll wrap it up too, uh, just so we're not uh, really <laughs> here for 45 minutes, though I feel like we could be, um, is they brought up that specific issue uh, of someone who sits on a board bringing issues that are relevant to the board they serve on. And, and every single selectmen and, and folks in the in the public as well were very careful to mention just because you volunteer and you're part of your local government doesn't mean that you're necessarily waiving your rights to get stuff done and that would be a really oh, rough precedent to set so i do think that that was on their mind as they were doing this is yeah of course like this guy has as many people said given a lot to the community but even if it was someone who had never given anything to the community but had stepped up to fill a role in service of their friends neighbors and family members they still need to be able to bring business forward. And, and that would have been a dangerous precedent to set. Of course, of course. But, you know, it's it does it does make people wonder. Oh, right. And that's sure. that's what bring that's that's what brings yeah. it up. So absolutely. Yeah. Skepticism is healthy without a doubt. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the second topic. The DCF commissioner is stepping down. It's been a long year for the DCF. Uh, there have been headline after headline. Uh I was told that it's not related, but uh, we are we're definitely seeing in 2024 DCF commissioner is leaving. Um, are you optimistic about that change in terms of seeing positive things in the DCF moving forward? No. OK, no. Yeah, I appreciate um, your clarity. Um, but no. yeah, I mean, what's going uh, on? Well, I mean, it's you want to you want to change the head of the agency or whatever. Fine. Um, but that doesn't change the way the agency functions. Um, you know what Vanessa Durante stepped into when she took the role had been building up for 10, 12, 20 years. You know, it doesn't change overnight. And, you know, putting somebody else, putting someone new in a leadership position, you know, Anything else that comes up, I mean, they can sit there and be like, well, it wasn't under my, it wasn't on my watch. Um, 
But you're, I mean, even though like the person stepping into it was like deputy commissioner or something like that. Yeah, you I know, think been there for 20 very, years, I believe. Yeah, very, very high ranking. Um, I don't, I don't see it as any kind of fundamental change to DCF. Um, you know, these, these kind of large agencies take, you know, years to like kind of write the ship if they, you know, if they write the ship. Right. And, you know, DCF was under, you know, federal um, oversight for, I think, 20 plus years uh, until it, it finally just got lifted this past year. And, you know, this past year was not a great one for them as far as you know, some some things that came out um, regarding some of their programs and things like that. Uh, so I'm not I, I don't see a change in whoever is you know, labeled the commissioner as being a fundamental change to the way things operate. Uh, you know, I, I know that in interviews, the uh, the newly appointed commissioner kind of wants to highlight DCF's, the things that DCF does that are good, their wins, things like that. Because it's like one of those, it's like one of those agencies you only hear about when things go really bad. Right. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair thing to point out. Um but what you want, though, right? I mean, it is it basically if things are going well, let them do their job. Uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. uh, I, I think at the same time, you know, if you're in public ser ser service, that's a tough thing. If you're going to spend all your time, I think that there's that that can be a double edged sword. If you're just out there touting your accomplishments, uh, people start to wonder why you're not at your desk working <laughs> instead of uh, actually uh, in, in, if you're out there. Yeah, I mean, I. I understand, but it's uh, you know you don't you also want to point out that some good things do happen, and I think that's kind of a PR move, but mm -hmm. understandable. Uh, but they you know it doesn't it doesn't mean that like the bad things go away. Um, they're still they're still going to be there. They're still going to happen. I think it has more to do with how you deal with it when it does happen, and creating more transparency and letting the public know that you know like this is a difficult job and we're we're doing what we can to get these things right. Um, dealing with, you know, dealing with humanity, uh, can be messy and, you know, when you're, when you're trying to do the job that DCF does, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities for bad outcomes and it, it's, that's the nature of the job. Uh, so it doesn't, doesn't get them off the hook for some things, but I think it should engender a little understanding at the same time. Um, but I mean, yeah, you can go on a little PR thing, but I, I think what they really need to do is, you know, get the mental health aspects of the, the youth system in, into better shape and work on their foster care system and work on their group home system and try to find new ways to do things, um, avoid some of these, uh, difficulties down the road. Without a doubt. All right. Any last words on uh, DCF or other articles that, that you want to point people to? Uh, nope. Um, still, you know, I, I do have more tips coming in that I am following up on, you know, uh, involving the agency. So. All right. That's a good point. Uh, also, we, we do uh, have a whistleblower portal. Uh, so for folks who uh, may be part of an agency that is experiencing some kind of corrupt action or something that needs to be brought to the public's attention, DCF or otherwise, uh, insideinvestigator.org slash whistleblower 
uh, will bring you to a form that uh, details not only the protections that we offer under the First Amendment and Connecticut's Reporter Shield Law, but also has a place where you can upload uh, much larger files, uh, kind of clarifies what your rights are, uh, and puts you right into an escalated uh, tips channel, for lack of a better phrase, uh, where where our team will be able to evaluate that information uh, rapidly and, and make sure that we're offering support. Uh, whistleblowing sometimes can can unfold over the course of months or years, but there's also stuff that we would move on very, very quickly uh, if it were to come across our desk. I think we'll wrap it up there then. Uh, hearing nothing else then, uh, of course, if you enjoy this show, if you enjoy what we do, if you support nonprofit journalism and you would like more of it, please consider making an end of the year donation to our nonprofit newsroom at insideinvestigator.org slash donate. Thank you for watching and listening to Inside Update. A reminder, we're also going to be available with CT Politics TV in the new year. We are going to be taking the week between Christmas and New Year's off, so we will not have another episode before 2024. So we will be back with another episode on January 8th. Until then, be well, stay safe, and stay informed.